0: Scripture reading this morning is from Genesis chapter 4, verses 1 through 26. Again, Genesis chapter 4, verses 1 through 26, and that's on page 3 in the Pew Bible, if you use the Pew Bible. I'll let you have a few seconds here. Now, Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain, saying, So Cain was very angry, and his face fell. The Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry, and why has your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is for for you, but you must rule over it. Cain spoke to Abel, his brother, and when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother Abel and killed him Yield to you its strength. You shall be a fugitive and a wanderer in the earth. Cain said to the Lord, My punishment is greater than I can bear. Behold, you have driven me today away from the ground, and from your face I shall be hidden. I shall be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth, and whoever finds me will kill me. Then the Lord said to him, Not so. If anyone kills Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord put a mark on Cain, lest any who found him should attack him. Then Cain went away from the presence of the Lord and settled in the land of Nod, east of Eden. Cain knew his wife, and she conceived and bore Enoch. When he built a city, he called the name of the city after the name of his son, Enoch. To Enoch was born Irad, and Irad fathered Mahujael, and Mahujael fathered Methusheel, and Methusheel fathered Lamech. And Lamech took two wives. The name of the one was Ada, and the name of the other, Zillah. Ada bore Jabal. He was the father of those who dwell in tents and have livestock. His brother's name was Jubal. He was the father of all those who play the lyre and the pipe. Zillah also bore Tubal-Cain. He was the forger of all instruments of bronze and iron. The sister of Tubal-Cain was Naamah. Lamech said to his wives, Ada and Zillah, hear my voice, you wives of Lamech. Listen to what I say. I have killed a man for wounding me, a young man for striking me. If Cain's revenge is sevenfold, then Lamech's is seventy-sevenfold. And Adam knew his wife again, and she bare a son and called his name Seth. For she said, God has appointed for me another offspring instead of Abel, for Cain killed him. To Seth also a son was born, and he called his name Enosh. At that time, people began to call upon the name of the Lord. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank you so much we can be here today and for your goodness to us and uh, the freedom we enjoy here in our country to meet freely and openly. Thank you that Chris and Donna can be here with us this morning for for the way that you see, you've blessed your, their work there in Japan. And we thank you for your daily blessings, too many to even count. And we pray now, Father, for our service. We pray for Pastor Toby, as he speaks, to speak with your power and to speak with clarity, and that you accomplish in each of our hearts and lives what you intend to accomplish. That we that we listen attentively and that we be not just hearers but doers of your word and lord that you work through us to reach those around us thank you again for the privilege of being here and we ask that you bless the rest of the service in jesus name
1: morning? I'm not Pastor Toby. <laughs> I wanted to begin this morning with a story I've told before. So some of you have to bear with me, but I, I thought about this earlier, and I started to think it was five years ago, it was 15 years ago. I don't know how that happened either, but I was coming home from work. I worked on the north side, and um, I just couldn't get home. I was coming down Michigan Road and traffic accidents and construction. It's one of those nights, you know what I mean? And all you want to do is I just want to go home. Couldn't get there. And I remember getting down as far as the, the uh, art museum at 38th Street. And I called my wife on my cell phone. And I said, hey, I'm running late. You know, I'll get there as soon as I can. And she said, okie-dokie, artichokey. <laughs> and when I heard that, I really really want to get home if you know what I mean because it's home they say home is where the heart is right someone said home is the nicest word there is sometimes when we're out running around she'll say let's go home and again that sounds so good to me just to go home people call it home sweet home and finally let me think Let me ask you to fill in the blank on this one here. What'd she say? What? There's no place place like home. All right. Even if you came from a bad situation, most most of us, you can take Dorothy off there. Thank you. Most of us know inherently what home is and that home means something good. And we want a place called home. All of us do. Because there's no place like home. And that's one of those things that makes the fourth chapter... Of Genesis so hard and to be honest so sad and so necessary so very very necessary for Adam and Eve the garden even of Eden was home and it was perfect but as we've read the last few weeks they turned their backs on God Eve believed a lie Adam believed Eve And it all came to a terrible end. And so, as chapter 3 ends, we read these words. Therefore, the Lord God sent him out from the Garden of Eden to work the ground from which he was taken. He drove out the man, and at the east of the Garden of Eden he placed the cherubim and a flaming sword that turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. For Adam and Eve, home was gone, and the reason was sin. The Bible says your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. Now, that's from the book of Isaiah and obviously that was way, way, way after Adam and Eve. But God never changes and sin has always and always will separate men and women from God. It is your sins that separate you from God. So you have this picture of Adam and Eve leaving their home here at the end of chapter 3. And of course, we don't know what that looked like. We don't know what was going on specifically. But you know, I've spent a lot of time studying this. And I can't help seeing this picture of them leaving the Garden of Eden and looking back at home. I've thought often of, of World War II when the Nazis just rolled across Europe and thousands, if not millions, of people were forced to leave their homes knowing most likely they would never go back, and how hard that is. There's nothing compared with Adam and Eve and the trial that they faced, leaving their home. It was home and it was gone. But we're moving into chapter 4 now, but you've got to keep that in mind as we move forward, okay? so we get into chapter 4, we're going to see a lot of things, but we're going to see those things in the framework of two main themes. Um, those themes are going to come to the forefront to some extent, And this is what they are. The devastation of sin. You will see that if you want to take notes. The devastation of sin. And you will see the character of God. You'll see the devastation of sin. So again, I'm I'm asking you today, you take the notes. You find these things in this passage of Scripture because they're everywhere, all right? The devastation of sin and the character of God. Definitely, as you look at it, The the devastation of sin will be louder, will be much more obvious. If this were a movie, it would be the thing getting all the explosions and the dramatic music and everything, and there will be a lot of people who would walk out of the theater and never see the character of God. But we should find that, we should look for it because it's what we're here today for, is to look at the character of God and to worship God. Okay, so as we move on, let's do that. Before we dive into this full, full depth, if you will, My heart has been, and and even louder this morning, that you would do what I just asked. That you, everyone here, would dive into the Word, would study the Word as we go through it. There's a lot of details in chapter 4 about what went on back then that we don't know. We, We could construe details. That is not the point this morning. The point is to see what sin does and to see God's response to it. So... That is just such a burden to me. I want to pray again, and I'm asking you to pray with me, that God would help you to do that, to look into the Word and to bury your heart in the Word this morning and see what He has to say. So let's please pray again. Father, it, it looks like a story that we just read, that we've heard, that we're familiar with, and we could gloss over it. We can take the different approach and look at all the details and wonder, well, what was this and what happened there? And why does it say this? And God, I I don't want any of that. I want our congregation to see you and to see who you are through all of this and to see what you desire. And that is my prayer, and I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so as we get into the text itself... Now Adam knew Eve his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain. Stop right there, and we won't take every verse, and we won't spend a lot of time here, but they named their first child. The first child born into the world was named Cain. So that's what they name him, and then Eve says a very interesting thing. Eve says, I have gotten a man with the help of the Lord. And we want to look at where that came from, okay? But before we go there, again... What is the heart of this? This is Adam and Eve have been driven out of their home. And it's just devastation of sin, first part. But now, Eve has a baby. And let's face it, babies are special. And as bad as things were, she holds this new life in her arms. And it's a wonderful thing. We know that. Many of us have children... You you know someone, you've held a baby at some point in your life. But I'm telling you, none of us can fully understand the joy that Eve felt at that moment. And the reason was this. When Eve sees her son in her arms, it goes way beyond just the love of a mother. Eve sees the Redeemer. Eve looks at this child, and Eve remembers Eden. and She remembers her sin And she looks at this child and she says, this is the Redeemer that God promised. And she says that and she believes that based, quite frankly, on nothing but faith. We want to look at that for a minute, okay? Because this is euphoria. This is the happiest moment that existed up to that point. So I want to show you back in chapter 3, verse 15 said this. God said to Satan, I will put enmity between you and the woman... And between your offspring and her offspring, he shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. So, in the midst of the curses that God is pronouncing there in chapter three, we have what amounts to the first messianic pra- prophecy. This is a prophecy about Jesus Christ. When God tells Satan that you shall bruise his heel, he's talking about Jesus Christ. He tells Satan, you will do great harm to my son. You will do great harm to the Savior. But in essence, you will only wound his heel. Whereas he, whereas Jesus will destroy you. And that is the power of the cross, by the way. Okay? In the 16th chapter of Paul's letter to the Romans, Paul writes, The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. So this is this prophecy about Jesus. When you read that, that's what's going on. But getting back to Cain's name, right? I wanted to show you where I'm getting this. So there are a lot of commentators and they they explain all this to you. And so we go to these books. There was one guy named James Montgomery Boyce one of my favorite guys, and, and he explained it more succinctly than anything else. And this is what he said. He said, we need to notice two things. From the word Cain, the word Cain sounds like either, uh, or actually based on the Hebrew word "kana," which means Acquired. So, when Eve says that she has gotten or acquired a man from the Lord, she's either punning on the name Cain, which I doubt, or explaining why that name was given to her first child. He says, in view of a promise of a deliverer, which was in chapter 3, the name probably means, here he is, or I've gotten him. Eve called her son, here he is, because she thought the deliverer had been sent by God. You remember your worst moments. I remember my worst moments. And you know when you've fallen hard. You know when sin has overtaken you. Have you ever cried over your sin? Not the results of your sin, but your sin. It's something to think about. The sin in your life that you so much, do you hate it as well? Eve remembered when she fell, and she remembered what the garden was like. It was paradise paradise lost, and she remembers what she and Adam had and what they lost. And she says, but here's the Redeemer. And so she had all this hope, but Eve misunderstood. And this is the first major, major point of the day. Eve misunderstood, and at least one of the reasons she misunderstood was because human beings, from Adam and Eve to you and me, We just have a very, very difficult time comprehending the horror and the nightmare of what sin is. It is that bad. And more particularly, it's the effects of sin. It's the devastation of sin on people, on the world, on life. I'll leave it at that for now. Moving on. Verse 2. And again, she bore his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep, and Cain a worker of the ground. So, Abel was a shepherd, and Cain was a farmer. We've got that in order so far. Next verse. In the course of time, circle these words. Cain brought. Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground. Verse 4, and also Abel brought, I would circle those, also Abel brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portion. So let's stop there and look at this is because where the trouble is going to start right here. All right, what's happening is they know that there's a sacrifice there, know that there's worship recommended or required of them, excuse me, because God has told them that. We're not going to get into the details I said, but we've got to construe that much. They would never have come if God had not said, there is worship, there is sacrifice, and you should bring this to me. So they do, all right? And Cain brings the fruit of the ground. That's what he does. That's that's his life. And Abel, the shepherd, he brings the firstborn of his flock. And when it says in the fat portion, Abel brought the best of the best, all right? He, He stepped up and brought the best, not saying that Cain didn't. But it's noteworthy that what Abel did. He brought the best he had for God. Why is this wrong? We want to look at that. Why is this so bad, you know, that it causes this big problem? So we go, we go forward from there. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering. But for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. And we have to ask why. The main reason is this. It's in Hebrews 11... You don't need to turn there. Hebrews 11, verses 1 through 4 say this. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, for the conviction of things not seen. For by it the people of old received their commendation. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. Verse 4. By faith Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, ...through which he was commended as righteous because of his sacrifice. Why? God commended him by accepting his gifts and through his faith. Though he died, he still speaks. It was Abel's obedience to God that commended him to God... ...but it was because of his faith. That is so important. I want to give you four truths just as quickly as I can... Truth number one, if you're going to jot jot this down somewhere, God is immutable. God is immutable. That means God doesn't change, can't change, never will change. God is immutable, just just park it over there. God is immutable, won't change. Truth number two, most clearly seen in, in the Gospel of John, when Jesus has this incredible conversation with this adulterous Samaritan woman, remember that at the well, he says this, You worship what you do not now know, we worship what we know. For salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. Here's the important part of of truth number two. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. Truth number one, God doesn't change. God is immutable. Truth number two, God is seeking worshipers. Just keep those for now. Truth number three is that God is worthy to be praised. Revelation chapter 4, verse 11 says, Worthy are you, O Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they existed and were created. I will ask you to turn to Psalm 145. If you would do that, turn to Psalm 145. Just take a minute. I sat up front this morning. I was amazed by the singing, by the praise of God... Moved me deeply this morning. It was beautiful. But go to Psalm 145. We're just going to look at the first few verses. They say this. Again, I, I asked you when we started to please look inside yourself, see if this moves your spirit. Psalm 145 says, I will extol you, my God and King, and bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you and praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised, and His greatness is unsearchable. That is so beautiful to me. That is my God, and I just seek to praise Him, and I love to do this. It comes out of my soul. It comes out of my spirit. It comes out of everything I have, that this is my God, and I want to praise Him. I hope so much that you have that in your heart this morning. That is worship, friends. That is praise. And God desires to be worshipped, and He desires to be praised, and He's worthy of it. Acknowledging who God is, praising God, that's worship. Maybe. Maybe. Singing praises to our God, all that. Maybe. What about obedience? What about obedience? That's another part of this. The truest form of worship is obedience to God. Acceptable worship must come from your heart, but that's obedience. Maybe. (laughs) And you say, what's with the maybes? You can obey God's law, if you want to call it that, all day long, and you can sing these songs all day long, but if it is not coming from your heart, it is not true worship. God hates lip service. He hates it. Going through the motions with God is such a terrible thing to do. A horrible thing to do. So we read all these things and we need to keep them in, in, in front of us and know that, okay, where is my heart? Because that's ultimately what matters is where is your heart in all of this? And I'm not saying if you looked at Psalm 145 and those three verses and today your heart didn't jump out of your chest and you're ready to jump up and praise God that you're not a worshiper, that you're not a Christian. But ask yourself that question in general, in your life, because that's what God wants. All right, just keep those things in mind. Those are just truths about God that we need to keep in mind, that that's what God desires is this worship. All right, with all that in mind, then we've talked about verses four and five. We're going to move ahead. And what we look at now is God did not approve of Cain's sacrifice. So Cain was very angry and his face fell. And the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? And why is your face fallen? I want to stop there for a minute. I want you to see something. This is a guy who brings an unacceptable sacrifice to the God of the universe, who created the heavens and the earth, our mighty God. And God sits down next to him and says, what is wrong? And He doesn't have to do that. The parallels between Cain and in the prodigal son story, not the prodigal son, but the one that stayed behind. He wouldn't come into the, to the celebration when his brother came back. And, and, and God goes out to him and says, why are you out here? What's the problem? God comes to... A a sinner who is bitter and won't follow God's rules, laws, whatever. The righteous rule of God. And God comes in and says, what's going on? I don't want this. I want you to be with me. We talk about the character of God. That is the mercy of God. That is the love of God. That is the patience of God. And I hope you see it. He says... The Lord said to Cain, why are you so angry and why is your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? In other words, hey, I've told you what what you're supposed to do. I've told you the right way of worship. I've told you everything you need to know and asked you to do it. And he says, if you do well, you would have been accepted. So why are you so angry? God would never ask anything of us that he hadn't explained first, that he hadn't given us through his word. So here he is reasoning with Cain. And he says this to him, And Cain, if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. And its desire is contrary to you. It wants to hurt you. And you must rule over it. He says, you are being tempted. And you must resist that temptation. And you know the way. And you know what's right. And you know what I require. And God says the same thing to us Every day that we're tempted. And we are tempted every day. What is it that is crouching at your door, my friends, that no one knows about but you? Its desire is contrary to you. Sin wants to crush you and ruin you and destroy you. We have once a month these guys that come in from the Hebron Center and sit over here. And I am so blessed that I teach a Sunday school class and every month I try to find at least one of them. I say, how you doing? Why are you here? I just walk right up to them and I say, how would you get here? What happened? I'm addicted to heroin. I'm addicted to heroin. I'm addicted to heroin. I'm addicted to heroin. I'm addicted to Xanax. Why? Got with the wrong people, made a bad decision. Made a bad decision had a temptation and, fall, and fell to it. And then they have this addiction that they deal with. What's yours? What is at your door, my friends? Renew your mind daily in the Word of God. If sin is crouching at your door, it might look good on the surface, and it is not. Let's move forward. So what happens... Cain spoke to Abel, his brother. In our language, in the John Tierney version (JCTV) of the Bible, would be Cain set him up? He went out with him, and they went out in the field. And Cain rose up against his brother and Abel, or brother Abel, and he killed him. Eve's redeemer, the one she thought was the one, is the world's first murderer. The big question then is why? Why did he do that? What was it at the root of it all that caused him to do that? It's, the answer is in 1 John chapter 3. We've got the verses. You don't need to turn there. John says, For this is the message you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. We should not be like Cain, who was of the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own deeds were evil and his brothers were righteous. Don't be surprised, brothers, that the world hates you. Why did he kill him? Because he saw the righteousness that he had and he hated it. He despised it. And when you go out and we're talking about witnessing to the end of the street and someone hates you because they see your righteousness, that's what happens. The world hates righteousness. It exposes their evil deeds. It exposes the fact that they know inherently that God is there. And that they're on the outside. And they don't want to do what God says. Moving forward, then the Lord said to Cain, where is Abel, your brother? And he says, I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? I'm telling you something. I don't want you to sit here and focus on the answer. Should he have taken care of his brother? Yes, he should. That's not the point. Look at the insolence of Cain. Look at this, this bitterness that rises up in the face of a holy God. This insolence is the only word I could come up with. But what you're starting to see here are two different things. You've got these two brothers who come to worship God. Because they both know that God deserves to be worshipped. But one of them, Cain, is as far away from God as you can get. But he comes to church and he knows who God is. And he knows that God is supposed to be worshipped. And so he does it. And he shows up. And he might be sitting next to you. And I don't think he's going to kill you this morning anyway. But... That's what we see in the churches. And so again, what I've said, look into your heart, look at the Word of God this morning and ask yourself a question. Really and truly, do I accept Jesus as my Lord and my Savior, and am I willing to live my life according to His Word? Or do you hunt and peck and pick out what you want? They call it a cafeteria Christian. I like this part of it. I don't like that part. I'll do it my way. The church is full of them. There are people every day in churches who don't know God, who will come to church and, and, and mind their p's and q's because that's acceptable to them. But a heart of worship, but giving up the sin in their life, repenting of the sin that they adore so much, not so much for me. I can do this And I think I can get by doing it my way, and God abhors that. My prayer is that everyone in here is saved that knows God and has repented of their sin and continues to repent of their sin, but you know where you are. We'll we'll, we'll get into more of that here in just a minute, okay? Moving on. And now you are cursed from the ground, God says which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you work the ground, it shall no longer yield to you its strength. You shall be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth. You will have no home. You will have no rest. Isn't that the result of sin in your life? Can you rest when you have sin in your life? I ask God all the time, show me the sin in my life. Show me my sin so that I may repent of it. It can hide in crooks and crannies everywhere. I, I told my kids from day one two things in life. Number one is do the right thing. Do the right thing. And when you mess up, go back to number one and do the right thing. I, I mean, I, I've seen it proved through and through. Obey God is another way to say it. Do the right thing. By the way, number two is, in case you're interested, if you're driving down a road and the right front tire goes off the lip of the road, grind the thing into dust, and don't yank the wheel back because bad things happen. It's pretty profound, is it not? So, it's true, though. Don't pull the wheel back. Got me? You with me? Okay. Let's move on. It's true. That's what I told him. So... Anyway, let's move forward. Verse 13, Cain said to the Lord, My punishment is greater than I can bear. This is astounding to me. Behold, you have driven me today away from the ground, and from your face I shall be hidden. I shall be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth, and whoever finds me will kill me. God, help me. I don't want to follow you. I don't want to do your rules. I don't want to do any of that. I want to do my own thing. But boy, do I need you. That's insolence again. That is just running up against God. I know you're there. I know who you are. I don't want you. But boy, I want the blessings. You bet I want the blessings. Again, is that where you are this morning? Can't be there, folks. Moving forward. The Lord said to him, Not so, Cain. If anyone kills Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. God said that. And the Lord put a mark on Cain, lest any who found him should attack him. We're not going to get into the mark. We're going to look at the mercy of God on this murderer, on this insolent murderer. Not only is he insolent, he is a murderer. He hates God, but I need you, God. God, Why did God not wipe him out? That is the character of God. That is the mercy and the love and the kindness of God, the God that we serve. He is an incredible God. He is so merciful to you and me. And if you're sitting there and you're a vengeful person, you're like, man, God, why didn't you smoke him right then and there? I don't think you want that. Because we all sin against God. So let's move forward from there. God gives you time, okay? Then Cain went away from the presence of the Lord. Again, I want the blessings. I want you to protect me, but I'm out of here. Cain goes away from the presence of the Lord and he settled in the land of Nod, east of Eden. Here come more blessings on Cain. Cain knew his wife, and she conceived and bore Enoch. When he built a city, he called the name of the city after the name of his son Enoch. To Enoch, there was born Irad, and Irad fathered Mahujael, Mahujael fathered Methusael, and Methusael fathered Lamech. Again, the blessing of God. And this, what we see right here, folks, is the beginning of civilization. This is pre flood. Civilization, civilization begins here. And God allows this to happen. And God is blessing their lives. And he's blessing what they do. It's functioning. And Lamech took two wives. The name of the one was Ada, And the name of the other, Zillah. Ada bore Jabal. He was the father of all those who dwell in tents and who have livestock. His brother's name was Jubal. He was the father of all those who play the lyre and pipe. Zillah also bore Tubal-Cain. He was the forger of all instruments of bronze and iron. The sister of Tubal-Cain was Naamah. And here we go. Lamech said to his wives, plural, Ada and Zillah, hear my voice, you wives of Lamech. Listen to what I say. I have killed a man for wounding me, a young man for striking me. If Cain's revenge is sevenfold, then Lamech's is seventy, sevenfold. God's way is not good enough for me, says him. Now, I'm going to go one up on God. That is insolence as well. What we've seen here then is this. Like a bottle on a table that it gets spilled, sin just pours out and runs out. And it just keeps going. Sin is pervasive. Sin is divisive. It is progressive. It just keeps going. It just keeps going. It is, it is, that is the devastation of sin. I, I can't tell you how difficult the last year has been for me, watching the effects of sin and the people around me. Most of you know my mother-in-law is, is not doing well. And she's not, she's not gonna make it. But I got a message not too long ago that one one of my best friends in the world that I've grown up with since I was that big has got Lou Gehrig's disease. And he's dying. And it's sin. When you ask why God, why, it's because of sin. Everything bad in the world is sin. You know, theologians classify evil in two different ways. Moral evil is what we do to each other, and natural evil is is what happens on the earth—tsunamis, floods, uh, hurricanes, whatnot. But you know, it's all a result of sin. That's where it all begins. When you ask why, 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 God, why is this happening? You need to know in your heart it's because of sin. Because it began back with Cain and Abel, and it spread. It began with Adam and Eve, and it spread. But you see the devastation of it that's real. You see Eve's heartbreak when that's not the Redeemer, and my son killed my other son. And it runs and runs and runs, and it infects infects and takes over everything. But in the midst of it, in the middle of it all, sometimes very quietly, is the character of God. God is sovereign he sees it all he knows what you're going through he knows your hurt, he knows your pain and it comes down to a matter of whether or not you trust God do you trust God in the worst moments or do you look for a way out I trusted you, trusted you, trusted you and it's not going well I'm going to go the way of Cain and go my own way which is not what God wants not at all Life is very hard because of sin. Because of the devastation of sin. But God is there. He is so merciful. He is so kind to us. He is so loving. I keep, I'm, I keep thinking of many, many years ago I was in the hospital, I, was, I had a very badly broken leg and I was in there for two weeks and I wanted to go home one particular night. I just wanted to go home. My kids were little. I missed them. I wanted to go home. I was in pain. Got them over it. I'm trying every day to be this Christian guy when these people come in and talk to me and I'm done being a Christian guy and I just want to go home. And it's like quarter to twelve at night and I'm having a really good pity party between me and the Lord. And my room on that floor was, from the sound of things, was five or six doors down from the waiting room. And the way it worked at Methodist Hospital was there was an ortho, and then there was a waiting room, and then there was neurological, um, families of neurological patients, far more serious. And in the middle of my pity party, I hear this woman wail and weep. It's loud. I mean, no holds barred. She's, she's wailing to God. Please, God, no. Please, Lord, please, no. And I was still hooked up to whatever, um, I guess, morphine. I had, to, I had all these things hooked up to me. And they all start going crazy because my adrenaline took off and, and um, my nurse came in. And I said, what happened? And she said, someone passed away. And the thing I just remember, her, that lady's voice was, please, God, no. Please, God, no. And when I studied this and I got into this, and the, the devastation of sin... That voice, that whole situation just kept coming back to me. That that's how bad sin is. It takes you to these moments in your life where you say, please God, no. But you know what it is? It's a nightmare you won't wake up from. Or that you it's real. It's real. That's what sin does in the world. But (laughs) the power of the cross. Jesus Christ died on that cross, and he took our sin upon himself, so that at the end of all this, when all this goes away, we have eternity with God, and it's all good. Please see in this chapter, more than Cain and Abel, please see that Cain's offering to God was not accepted because he did it in his own strength. And he did it his way. And it was going to be his way or the highway. And that Abel brought his offering in faith. In faith. It wasn't just that he brought the correct offering. It was that he brought it in faith. So what was it about his offering, though, that made it correct? It was a blood sacrifice. All right. He, he slaughtered an animal because... Sin has to be dealt with with blood. And that's why Jesus went to the cross. So there is an acceptable sacrifice and blood was spilled because that's the only way sin can be dealt with. If you're a Christian, Jesus did that for you. It was his blood that was spilled on your behalf. But again, if you're walking on the outside and you know that, you don't have that assurance. If you know this morning that you've been walking around for the longest time because you don't have this assurance that you're in God's will and you know there's sin in your life, deal with it today. The Bible says if today you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. You've been hearing his word all morning. Don't harden your heart. Don't let your pride kill you spiritually. Let's pray. Father, Again, it's it's this story we've seen forever. It's this story we have seen that just looks like the good guy and the bad guy. And things go wrong, and there's so much more here. God, we see your character, we see your grace, your mercy, your kindness. If there is anyone in this room, God, who has not given their life to you, who is hanging on to the sin they're deceived. God, open their eyes and their hearts to the truth of Your Word and save their soul today. For all of us here today who know people who are in that situation, God, again, we ask that You would open the eyes and the hearts of the people that we love so much, who just don't get it. You're the one who saves. You're the one who convicts of sin. And so we pour our hearts to you and say, God, we've tried, we've talked, we've done everything we can do. It has to be of you. We've shared the word. And we ask you, God, with aching hearts, God, please, save these people we love. We accept your sovereignty. We accept it, your will. We accept that there are those who will never accept it. But God, our hearts cry out so much. I pray for everyone here who's dealing with sin, and struggling. I pray for everyone here who's not dealing with sin and God, I would ask that you would force them into that no matter how much it hurts for their salvation and for your glory. God, we love you so much. We thank you for everything you do for us and we'd ask that you would continue to be merciful to us, that you would be patient with us